Good afternoon. How are you? You all look lovely. Well done. Um, hi. Yeah, I'm Henry, as Chris said. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you guys today. Um, Chris asked me uh, to talk about a New Testament hero. Um, pick one, basically. And as soon as he said that, I knew straight away who I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about a guy called Peter. He's a guy I love. He's a guy who I feel a kind of a, a similar similarity with, you know, I, I get him, I get, I get where he's coming from, I think, anyway, so. So, have you ever, I wonder if you've ever met someone, maybe going to a pub or going out or whatever, and you just, just come across someone and there's something about them, you're not sure what it is, but they've got something and you just like talking to them. It's not that they're particularly intelligent or, you know, they speak incredibly eloquently or well, but there's just some sort of aspect of their personality that it just draws you in, you know, a bit magnetic almost, you know. You're talking and you just, I want to be around that guy, you know. Or maybe you know someone who's kind of spontaneous, you know, we've all got friends that we kind of, oh, I wish I was a bit more like that guy, you know. He's just the guy who's skydiving this weekend and snowboarding that weekend, whatever it is, you know. There's someone who's just got this sort of ability to just impulsive, passionate, and it's kind of something about it that's really attractive. I wonder if you know someone like that, or you've experienced meeting someone like that. I kind of imagine that sort of guy that Peter was. So who was Peter? Peter, uh, we read in the Gospels, is the first time we meet him. He is uh, from the New Testament, and he is a follower of Jesus. He's one of Jesus' 12 uh, close followers. And more than that, he's kind of like the leader of those 12 followers, as it were. He was a fisherman. We, we meet him first, and he's with his brother uh, fishing. He's a night fisherman, so he's a tough guy. He's a hard worker. He's a big man. He's pretty fiery, we find out as well. And uh, he is a hard, grafting, blue-collar guy. He wasn't particularly wealthy, probably. It wasn't a particularly well-paid job. Um, he was a man like you and me. He worried about paying his taxes. He worried about putting food on the table we see a couple of times in the Gospels. He was just a normal guy working a normal job with a normal social environment. And then, as always happens when he meets Jesus, when we meet Jesus, everything changed for him. So let's look at Peter, the follower. I'm going to read from Matthew 4, 18 to verse 20. Jesus calls the first disciples. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. So just think about that for a minute. They're in the middle of their daily grind. They're working hard, blood, sweat, and tears. And this man just appears on the side, saying, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And what does it say they do? Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. They saw something in Jesus, something that captivated them, something that got their imagination, something that grabbed them and wouldn't let them go. They were curious, they were inquisitive. They didn't ask questions at the time, they just followed. That's what I love about Peter. 
see it all through, all through the stories. He is such a good follower. He is a leader among men, but he is a great follower of Jesus. I just want to look at another section. So just to give you a bit of backup to this, this will be in John 6. So Jesus has been teaching a while now. He's built up quite a reputation as a rabbi, a well thought of man. He's very popular. People are following him. He's the, he's the cool preacher in town and people want to hear what he's got to say. People are hanging on Jesus' words. And as Jesus often does, he talks in the Bible about how he offends the mind to reveal the heart. Jesus isn't afraid to speak a tough word to really work out where your heart's at. And here we pick up in John. So Jesus has just finished telling people that if they want to follow him, they need to start eating his flesh and drinking his blood. <laughs> yeah, I can understand why people may be <laughs> thinking twice at that point, right? They're not vampires, hopefully. Um, that's a tough word, right? And a very easy word to misunderstand if you're not prepared to go deeper to trust Jesus and to say, well, what do you mean by that? If you're just on the outside, you're going to be freaked out and you're going to go as what happened. So Jesus pretty much was deserted. And we pick up in John 6, 67 to 69. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow, that is some statement. That is incredible. Could you imagine that? If you think about it, Jesus has just been talking about how you've got to eat my flesh, you've got to drink my blood. And Peter's not afraid. He steps up. Jesus asks a question to all the disciples and Peter steps up with the answer. And he says, you are the Holy One of God with the words of eternal life. What an answer. What a great follower. He wasn't afraid. He stepped up. A leader has to be, must be a great follower first. A great follower of Jesus if you feel called in any capacity by God to lead, and I humbly submit to you, just follow and allow God to lead through you and he will raise you up in his time. As you follow, you follow God. I just want to look at one more example of Peter following, an incredible example. It's from Matthew 14, 22 to 32. Immediately, he made, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Are you of little faith? 
Why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that, and I feel a bit for Peter at this point, because Jesus has just said to him, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And I'm looking at this thinking, hold on a minute, the guy just got out of a boat onto a choppy sea, walked on the water because you called him to, and you know, he's getting chastised. It can seem like he's getting chastised. I'm like, what about the disciples that were wimping out in the boat that didn't want to say anything? You know, what about them? Where was their faith? But you know, I don't know. Jesus, Jesus knows what he's talking about. I don't. It seems like a lot of faith to me, right? Jesus said, come. And Peter went. He didn't ask questions. He didn't quibble. He climbed out of a boat and started walking on the sea. He wasn't swimming, he wasn't paddling, he was walking on top of the water. Keeping his eyes on Jesus, he was walking, doing what Jesus asked him to do. It's incredible. What a follower. What an incredible follower. No questions. You call, I come. I want to look now at what I've affectionately titled Peter the Hothead, right? This is where me and Peter connect. We, we vibe on this point, okay? Because this is me. I am the hothead guy. I am the act first, think second guy. Always getting myself in knots, in trouble. Always poor old Deborah's having to uh, clean up my messes after me as I sort of trail in my wake. So uh, anyone here who knows me has probably got a million stories that they could offer you about me Given this, I'll give you one, okay? So we're out for my friend Sam's birthday, and we are in Leicester Square. So you know Leicester Square, it's, it's buzzing, it's packed full of people, it's vibing place. And uh, we're out, we're looking for somewhere to eat. There's about 20 of us. And so we're just uh, cruising around, we haven't really planned anywhere. So we end up in Pizza Hut, which is kind of a bit of a bummer, really, but that's neither here nor there. So we go upstairs. And uh, you go upstairs and there's like a big room and there's probably about 100 people in there and the atmosphere is electric. Everyone's excited. They're going to the cinema or going to a show or whatever. And uh, people are chatting away and it's like one of those experiences. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, suddenly, in the middle of it, it just like everyone's talking, everyone's talking. And then, <sighs> silence falls, right? And it's weird. And at this moment, most normal human beings would take stock of their surroundings, would think, oh, that's strange. Maybe I'll have a look around and see what's going on, right? I, unfortunately, am not a normal human being, and I go for the quick, witty retort. <laughs> I go, wow, the atmosphere dropped in here. Who died? <laughs> At which point I turn around and I see, literally, no joke, I see an ambulance man giving CPR to someone who's lying on the floor <laughs> like this. Right? I'm just like, woo, <laughs> that's awkward, <laughs> okay. Peter, if Peter was in Pizza Hut, he would have done exactly the same thing, I'm sure of it, and I take great comfort from that fact, because although, as we're about to see, Peter is capable of the most incredibly dumb statements, he also was capable of some of the most beautiful, profound statements, revelation of Jesus Christ and who he was. And so I kind of think if Peter's capable, then maybe there's some hope for me somewhere. I don't know, but we'll see. So let's look at Mark chapter 8, 27 to 33. And Jesus went on with his disciples 
to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. But who do you say I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing the disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That's quite a contrasting passage, isn't it? On one breath, you've got Peter having this divine revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. You are the Christ. And then it's like in the very next breath, <laughs> Peter's rebuking the Christ that he has just proclaimed because he doesn't like what he's saying, right? So that, to, to me, I'm a little bit like, hold on a minute, seriously? You know, come on, mate, you can... Think about this, just step back a little bit from the situation, right? But actually, I think about that. And, you know, we, when we talk about reading the Bible, it's good to let the Bible read you as well, to read the text, read what it's saying, and allow it to work in you, see what it's saying. And actually, in this moment, if I'm willing to allow the Bible and the story to read me, I notice that I do this all the time. I do it all the time. How many of us here? are proclaiming Jesus in church where you are the Lord, you are the Son of God. But yet how many of us also at the same time are trying to, we're not comfortable with what Jesus is asking of us. We're not liking what he's got to say to us. Jesus says, love your enemies. And I'm like, I'm not sure about that one. You know, Jesus says, pray for those who persecute me. And I'm like, definitely not sure about that one. You know, Effectively, what's happening is I am proclaiming Jesus with one breath, worshipping him, but as soon as he speaks a word that I don't like, I'm trying to control him. I'm trying to effectively rebuke him. And what does he say? He says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not interested in the things of God, but the things of man. The strong words there is a strong word for us. You know, it's easy to look at Peter in this example and to think, what a wally, what, you know, what's he doing? But actually, I suggest that it would be much better to look at him and to be grateful for his example because it allows us to see, how do I do this in my life? In what areas am I rebuking Jesus' word in my life? And humbly repent, say sorry, turn away, and choose the word of God and not what we would like to do for ourselves. Yes, Peter was a hot-headed guy. Yes, he said and did some pretty stupid things. But at the end of it, he was just a man like any of us. And he had the same frame, the same spirit as any of us. We are all capable. So don't look at Peter as an idiot. Don't look at him as a doofus. Just see yourself when you see Peter. Because we are all capable of the same and a whole lot worse. Right. We're going to look at, I've called this Peter the denier, 
And we're just going to watch a clip of probably one of the most famous stories. You know, you hear it in Sunday school of how Peter denies Jesus. We're just going to look at a quick clip from the Passion of the Christ here. Thanks, Matt. It's pretty heavy going. It's Peter's darkest moment, I'm sure he would agree. So he's just, as you saw there, he's just denied the man that he professed to love, the man that he said that he would follow, even to the grave. And he's done. He's torn apart. He's just full of guilt, betrayal, and shame. I wonder if you've ever had that feeling, this feeling of like you let someone down, you know, probably not on the scale of Peter, but you know, we let people down all the time and you just feel that feeling. I remember once a good friend of mine, his mother got very ill. She, uh, she had a mental breakdown, basically. And, uh, and I was praying for her. Of course, I was praying for her. I kept thinking, I need to go and see her. And I just couldn't do it. I just kept putting it off. I had valid, what I thought were valid reasons why I didn't go and see her. I'll be praying for her, but I've got stuff to do. I can't do it now. And I just felt rubbish. I just felt like I just fully let her down. You know, I professed to love her. I professed to be loyal to her. And I just felt like I just let her down. And it's, it's one of those feelings, and like I say, you try and justify it, but ultimately it came down to the fact for me that I was scared. I was scared that if I went to see her, that it would somehow make it real. You know, I heard about this, I heard what was going on, and it was awful. And I didn't want to engage with that. I wanted to bury my head in the sand. I was scared that if I saw her in that state, that somehow I'd be confronted with that, and actually I couldn't choose to ignore it anymore. So I effectively ran away. I was effectively a coward in that moment. Just as we see Peter, he's probably got all these feelings and a lot more besides going on. This was Peter's great opportunity to stand and to be the rock that Jesus had said a few chapters earlier that he would be. He looked at Peter and he said, you are the rock and on you I'm going to build my church. And this was his opportunity to do that. And he crumbled, he blew it. The, the intensity of the atmosphere, the pressure, the just everything coming at him, the assault of the senses, and he blew it in the worst possible way. He denied his friend, the man that he so passionately loved, the man that he so deeply professed to care about and love. He denied his acquaintance to him. And then the cock crows, and you see what happens. He's, he's distraught. He's done in. He probably ran away, thought to himself how he's going to take a bit of stock, get away, work out, and then come back. I'm sure he had grand sort of delusions, but ultimately, he'd blown it, and he was done. But fortunately, Jesus is greater than our greatest failure. And that wasn't the end of the story. So at this moment, Jesus, uh, sorry, Peter has taken himself away. 
and he goes back to doing what he knows. He goes fishing. Let's look at John 21, 119. This is Peter the Rock. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, have you caught any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it. Now they, were able to, they weren't able to haul it in because it was so full of fish. Then the disciple that Jesus loved, that's John, he turned to Peter and he said, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. And when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said this the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, he said to him, follow me. He looks at Peter and he says, follow me. That's what he said to him the first time he met him. He said, follow me. And Peter followed. He says to him again, follow me. This passage is just so loaded with emotion. It's intense. You can really visualize what's going on here. You know, Peter's exhausted. He's just been out all night working with the disciples. They've been out fishing. They've caught nothing. He's probably frustrated, not to mention all the feelings that he's got going on from what's gone on with the denial and what have you and just a complete mess. Now, I mean, I'm a builder, so 
I know what it's like when someone who you don't know turns up and tries to tell you how to do your job. It's really annoying. You usually tell them to hop it, right? So at this point, Jesus comes along and he says, haven't you caught anything? Why don't you try on the other side, <laughs> right? They don't know it's Jesus. So they're just like, they'd be quite within their rights to be like, huh, yeah, clear off sunshine, you're all right. But they don't do that, do they? They just put their nets in the other side. And what happens? They get a great reward. But more than that, what happens as soon as John says to Peter, it's the Lord. Peter dives into the sea. Peter is running as fast as he can to get back to Jesus, to get back to the one that he loves. He is deeply passionate still about Jesus, still about following Jesus. So Jesus cooks some breakfast. It's a great way to start. But there's clearly, this is the third time, according to the scripture, that Jesus has revealed himself to the disciples. So they knew he was alive, but you know, this is the third time he's come. And there's still clearly this almost elephant in the room going on. It seems like they haven't really discussed the denial thing, and maybe Peter wasn't ready to have that conversation. We don't know. But Jesus just, just turns to him and he says, Do you love me? And he looks at him and he says, Lord, you know I love you. And he responds, feed my sheep. He says to him again, do you love me, Peter? He says to him a third time, do you love me, Peter? And every time Peter responds, Lord, you can almost imagine the greater as the gravitas of the whole situation wears down. Suddenly, more and more, everything in Peter is saying, Lord, you know I love you. Now, there's a lot of unspoken stuff going on here. Peter's probably, you know what I did, you know what I've done. It doesn't matter. Jesus says, do you love me? That's enough for me. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. Be the rock that I told you that you would be. Be the rock that I can build a church on. Choose in this moment to be that rock. You see, it's like Jesus, there's a wonderful parallel going on here. It's kind of like, Peter's denied Jesus three times. And it's almost like for each denial, Jesus has gone up to him and he's lifted the denial off him. You know, I do not know the man. Jesus lifts that off him and brings it into himself. And in return, he honours Peter. He says, feed my sheep. He gives him a command. If you love me, feed my sheep. The second time, do you love me? I do not know the man. He takes that denial off of Peter again, takes it into himself and he honours him. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. The third time, he lifts that denial. I do not know the man. He takes it off Peter, all the weight, all the names he's called himself, all of the hurt, all of the guilt, the failure, the shame. He lifts it off him and he restores him grace. He takes off Peter's disgrace and he, Jesus takes that into himself and he honours Peter and he gives him grace for his disgrace. That's what Jesus does for Peter. That's what Jesus still does for us. The, the pride in us would say, Jesus, what you did wasn't enough. You, I'm really grateful that you died for me, but I need real punishment here. I need something to happen I've been in that place. I'm sure you've all been in that place for time. But that's pride talking. 
we're saying to Jesus that what you did, what you sacrificed wasn't enough, wasn't complete enough. But actually the humility, the humble way is to say, Jesus, I've messed up. But Jesus, your grace is sufficient for me for your power is made perfect in my weakness, it says in the gospel. And he takes us at our lowest point. Our biggest failure can become our greatest opportunity for redemption, for restoration, if we level with Jesus. That's what happened with Peter. That's what Jesus wants to do for each of us today. So the story goes on. Peter went on. He became the great apostle of the church, the leader of the Christian faith, the founder. He's the first pope in the Catholic Church. He gave the first sermon. It was an amazing sermon. Hundreds of people came to him, and daily people were being added to their number. People thought they were drunk because they were enjoying it so much. It was incredible. He wrote two books of the Bible. He also is thought to have dictated the Gospel of Mark to Mark, so it's meant to be Peter's account, but we don't know for sure. Um, He got to the point where Peter was so humble, so full of the work of Christ in him and through him, that he would walk around ministering and people would be jostling to get in position just so that his shadow would fall on them, and that was it, they would be healed. By that. He believed that. He would walk past people and just the touch of his shadow, Jesus was in his shadow healing. And people were received healing. They received sight for the blind. They were cast out of demons. It's incredible. So Peter died in AD 67, history tells us. This isn't in the Bible, but historical accounts say that he died in AD 67. He died Uh, under the hands of an emperor, a psychotic emperor called Nero, who found sport in killing Christians, in murdering, torturing. Uh, He found fun in that. He would set up what he called circuses. So Peter was to be crucified. And the report goes, again, this isn't in the scripture, so it's not gospel, but the report goes that Peter said, I'm going to die but I'm not going to die. I'm not worthy to die in the same way as my Lord. And he asked to be crucified upside down, and he died. So here you have a man who has gone from that moment of denial where he's, he's not prepared to die with Jesus. He's not prepared to give everything. He wants to bolt, save himself, get out, and he's gone through this process, this work of restoration with Jesus. And he comes to the point where he can make such a statement as, I am unworthy to be executed in the most horrible way, the same way as my Lord. Turn me upside down. I'm not worthy. True humility right to the end. That was the core that ran through Peter, through the refinement of Jesus' healing power. Peter the follower, great follower. Peter, yes, the hothead. Peter the denier, his biggest failure, but ultimately Peter the rock. Peter the reason that we can meet here today. You know, what a hero, what an incredible man, what an incredible life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you 
offer his finished work on the cross that means that we can come to you forgiven because of what Jesus has done for us. Would you come by your Holy Spirit now and empower us? Would you fill us? We thank you for Peter's witness, the witness that we can come to you, be transformed by you, and can live out a glorious, redeemed life with you. Pray you would inspire us as your church. You would give us strength and confidence, power, not of ourselves, but in you and in the work that you did for us on our behalf because you loved us so much. Come and change us. Humble us, God. We submit to you. Amen.